It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win. JT the Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, hour number two of the JT The Brick Show here on Raider Nation Radio. It's Friday afternoon. We are two sleeps away from the Raiders playing their first home game of the 2022 NFL year. Yes, it's preseason, but yes, it's another great excuse for us to be able to get together as a family. Raider Nation, I know a lot of folks are coming in from Oakland, from L.A., from other parts of the country. I got someone from social media telling me they're coming in from the South Bay as well. Shout out to them. Uh, Everybody, let's have a good time out here in Vegas and hopefully all that rain just happened last night and flooded some of the casinos out here in Las Vegas. I saw a couple of casinos flooded outdoors and indoors, so hopefully that isn't happening now that our Raider Nation brothers and sisters are coming in from out of town. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off talking about Darren Waller, but first we got a... Call on the line right now, Mitch from New Jersey. Thanks for calling in. What do you think about the preseason? What's the right way to do it? Is there one? Not really. Two games max. It's really, uh, you know, it's a tough sport. I hate to see anybody get hurt. You know, um, you know, I know. I'm sure you've heard. Of, you're a fan of the Dodgers. They're they're a Spanish speaking broadcaster because you remind me of him. I've heard him a few times. I don't speak one. I'm, uh, you're also a gringo. Yo, Albo Espanol poquito. So don't don't even try. My mom, we try. I used to jog with and try to memorize words. Don't bother. I understand, Harry. It's 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 tough, but it comes. It's it's second nature to you. Both hey. languages. Jamie, um, I think it's Leslie Navarro. He's retiring. Jaime Harin. Yes, game, legendary. 1959. What's that? Jaime Harin from Ecuador. Legendary oh. broadcaster for the for the Dodgers. He's retiring after this year. Yeah, throwing your hat there. But I still I like to hear you on the radio. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Anytime. You know, um, just calling as it is. Um, cousins, I guess you had it coming, being so stubborn. You take a little shot, it hurts for two seconds, a minute, and then you go on. Why, why be very contrary? And I think um, that, you know, this division has a lot of good running backs. And I, I didn't like seeing um, Josh Jacobs being used. I mean, he's a good runner. The only way I want to see him be traded is to get a first-round pick. I hate to see who's going to be cut because they all seem good. We, I know we lost Rashad, but um, I, I like our depth at running back. Yeah, the Raiders right now, they're stacked in that position. Thank you so much for your call, Mitch. Hope everything's well in New Jersey with you and your family and your grandson, everybody, everybody over there having a good time in Jersey. So, Raiders. A big situation going on in a lot of people's mind because Darren Waller hasn't practiced in the last couple of weeks out here in Las Vegas. And the team hadn't said much since then. But this morning, Adam Schefter posted on Twitter, 
that the Raiders' tight end has been held out of camp due to a hamstring injury that is not considered serious. That per his sources. Paul Gutierrez last night posted on the same social media network that he caught up briefly with Waller at the Las Vegas Aces game last night, which, by the way, the Aces won, and saying that it sounds like D-Wall should return to practice next week. That's good news for the Raiders. And finally, Josh McDaniels, I think after the information found its way out of the team's headquarters, he was asked about it, and he came out and said this this morning. Um, It was definitely Dallas Clark for sure. Um, just, I mean, the relationship that he seemed to have with his quarterback, I was asking him about, you know, how you go about navigating that in, you know, you know, clarity of <coughs> some speculation about Waller is an injury related thing is what you're saying. He's yeah. He's working to get back. He's working to get back. That's what Josh McDaniel said about the injury. And like we said, he's being held out due to a hamstring injury per Adam Schefter's report this morning. Paul Gutierrez said that it seems like the Raiders tight end is going to come back next week. A lot of folks are starting to think it's a contract situation. But right now in training camp, there's no reason to risk anybody's body just because you want them out to be practicing a month before the regular season kicks off. What will Darren Waller be doing better on the field for being at practice at, I don't know, 70%, 80%. If this were the regular season with the season on the line, or if you were in the playoffs and this was your win or go home game, I would understand both the player and the coaches wanting to risk it and be like, all right, We'll save him and not practice him during the week, but we'll play him on Sunday. Right now, Raider Nation, there's no reason at all if there's a hamstring injury that is not considered serious to send him out on the field and have him practicing. We already saw him at OTAs, voluntary, mandatory minicamp. We've seen him all out there. We saw him kicking off training camp with the team on the field. If he's not on the field, I'm absolutely believing 100% that it's not a holdout due to a contract situation. What's the situation? Two years left in this contract, no guaranteed money left. Does he deserve more? Of course. The team, I got a feeling, just like we were talking with Paloma a couple of minutes ago, that Mark Davis has rewarded some of his best players in the Aces with contract extensions. I got a feeling it's the same way over here. Waller, he's been one of the best players on the Raiders since he arrived to the team. Will he be extended? I got a feeling he will. Will it happen right now? I don't know. I don't think so. But will it happen? He deserves it. So of course, but he's not holding out. It's just an injury that is not considered serious and the team doesn't want to risk him right now on the field. Imagine that. If he's at 60 or 70% right now, you set him out on the field and he reaggravates it and it becomes something from not considered serious to something serious. You don't want that to happen right now to one of your star players, to one of those guys that is going to be a difference maker on the field, that he has been a difference maker since he arrived in the Raiders. But I mean, I couldn't believe it that after having a killer 2020 where he had 1,196 yards and nine touchdowns. That touchdown total, yes, five games less, but went down drastically from nine to two. 
What the heck? What happened there? Five games less, 16 to 11, you can't have a seven-touchdown difference between one season and another. And we're going to segue this into Darren Waller speaking about the red zone. But this question asked on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast uh, hosted by Will Compton on Barstool Sports, he was asked first who he gravitated to the most during TEU, tight end university held out in Nashville, who he wanted to pick his brain more than the rest. And Darren Waller said this, the following. Um, it was definitely Dallas Clark for sure. Um, just, I mean, the relationship that he seemed to have with his quarterback. I was asking him about, you know, how you go about navigating that and, you know, you know, saying things without like feeling like you're stepping on somebody's toes, but like, but really saying what you want to say and need to say at a particular time or um, like, and he crafted like his own little red zone role. Like they were just kind of like throwing into the goalpost over the middle of the field. Not Cause like me, you know, there's a lot of times in the past couple of years where I felt like I didn't have like, there was like a clear defined attack in the red zone or like a plan for me specifically. I felt like it was just kind of like, what the f- am I doing sometimes? Yeah. But now I kind of feel like that's something that's in place with, Josh and developing just off of this offseason alone. So it's kind of asking him about how did your role in the red zone come about? Because that's a that's a that's a big thing. Like yeah, like for me, like there's no reason why I'm, my big ass shouldn't be you know. Oh yeah, but I'm dominating in the red zone at yeah. all times. You know. Do we have a sensor sound, Bobby? Because I want to say what the bleep? How the heck is it that there was not a clear defined attack, a plan for Darren Waller in the red zone? He was your biggest threat offensively until Devontae Adams arrived to this team a couple of months ago. What the bleep? I mean, come on, man. I don't want to call out the previous regime, but my, oh my. 2021, I know that Darren Waller wasn't hurt, but when but when he was on the field, he's your biggest guy in there in the red zone. You got to have something in place for him to be the guy you're looking for the, to the most in the red zone. I know Hunter Renfro, he had his best season both in yards and in touchdowns, but Darren Waller, he has proven his worth the season before that, the pandemic year. Nine touchdowns. That's more touchdowns that he has in the rest of his career. In 16 games, nine touchdowns. In his other 49 games in the NFL, he has less than that. He has seven. Follow what has been successful for you. 2020, that offense was crazy good for the most part. The problem was the defense was terrible. Most points allowed in Raiders franchise history in a season. That was 2020 for the silver and black. Now, this year, I'm very excited to hear that what Darren Waller said, that Josh McDaniels, he does have a plan for him in the red zone. And then at to a Darren Waller plan to a Devontae Adams just as a threat in the final yards, in the final 20 of the field. And Hunter Renfro with his crazy routes that he always finds a way to get himself open. And then you can also add to that equation potentially a Mac Hollins, who at 6'4 is the tallest wide receiver in the Raiders organization. Heads up, I said tallest wide receiver. Obviously, if you add the tight ends, then Darren Waller is a little bit bigger, two inches taller. But you got two guys in the end zone that are 6'4 or taller. That becomes a threat. Go look for them. Like you said, Dallas Clark, 
Go to the to the end zone right there in the middle where you got the goalposts right there. Boom. Go look for him right there. Find a way to make him more effective and become not only a threat, but a reality. Someone that gets seven for you in the end zone way more. You go back to last year, I love Daniel Carlson. I mean, I'm a huge Seabass fan. Sebastian Janikowski, historic Raiders kicker. But Daniel Carlson, these past two seasons with the Raiders, I mean, the guy has been a stud for the silver and black. 33 field goals made in 2020, 40 field goals made in 2021. You combine both years, and he has missed a total of five field goals in in 78 attempts. That's a very high percentage, over 93% of those field goals that he has tried, he has connected. The problem is the amount of field goals inside the 20 when the team is in the red zone, it's too many. From 20 to 29 yards, Daniel Carlson has scored a total of 28 field goals inside the red zone. That's too much. You can't be just being satisfied with three points. At times, it's okay. But when you go with that many field goals inside the red zone, I'm sorry, you're not going to get far. And the excuse, I mean... You go over and be like, okay, Darren Waller didn't play. How many games did he not play in last year? Six. 17-game season for the first time ever, he played in 11. We didn't have him for six games. Well, what about the other 11 that he was on the field for? I mean, you try a total of 29 field goals in the red zone last year, that's too damn much. You got to be able to figure out a way to get in the red zone. And hearing this from Darren Waller from his own mouth, saying that his head coach or his offensive coordinator, the guys that were in the previous regime, didn't have a clear defined attack for him in the red zone, there's no excuses for that. you got to have something there, especially when his backup is a guy like Foster Moreau. Or sorry, Morrow. The way that he wants it to pr- pronounce it. I'm sorry, Foster. Foster Morrow. When you got a guy like Foster right behind him, who's also a threat, who's also a guy guy that when he was a rookie in the NFL, he was able to find the end zone constantly before he got hurt. Five touchdowns as a rookie in 13 games played. I mean, come on. If one guy isn't available, go with the other. And Josh McDaniel said it perfectly today in the press conference. He has every single guy in those wide receiver and tight end rooms and running back rooms watching every play because once the season starts, you won't be able to have as many snaps during practice and you won't be able to be on the field as constantly as you want as a backup player. But you got to know what's coming because what happens when one of your player get, players gets hurt in the first quarter of the game? You're going in for him in the second, third, and fourth quarters. You have to be prepared mentally and physically to be able to go into that position and play the right way. Foster Moreau, he's ready for when Waller isn't available to go in there and get the results for the Raiders. So, yeah, Waller was hurt for six games. Foster was there. If you had a plan for the tight ends in the red zone, this team would have been been even more successful. And, yes, I love that the Raiders made it to the playoffs. And, yes, I loved it that the Raiders had double-digit wins last year. And, yes, I loved it that the Raiders booted the Chargers from potentially going into into the postseason. But how much better would it have been if the Raiders would have had 12 wins? 
if the Raiders would have been potentially playing as a divisional champion, playing a home game at Allegiant Stadium. And that difference could have been from trying a total of 29 field goals inside the red zone last year to maybe four less that became touchdowns and you want a couple of extra games. I love it right now. Darren Waller says there's a plan that Josh McDaniels is doing it, and he's an offensive mastermind that has been involved in the NFL the over the past 20 plus years. He knows these modern offenses. He knows how to be able to use his players the best way possible. And he's got weapons. He's going to use them. He's going to take advantage of them. So Raider Nation, Darren Waller, yes, we just found out officially that he is hurt. We had been waiting to hear something about it. Schefter reported he's out due to a hamstring injury that is not considered serious. Paul Gutierrez spoke with Waller yesterday briefly, and he says that Waller should be returning to practice next week. That brings a big smile to my face because that means that more than likely he will be available for those joint practices when the Raiders and the Patriots get together out here in the Las Vegas Valley. Raider Nation, it's time to head out and get those Modelos ready for Sunday's game. Modelo is a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. It doesn't matter where you come from, it matters what you're made of. Modelo is a crisp Pilsner-style lager that sets the standard for authentic Mexican beer. Get those Modelos ready, Raider Nation. This Sunday, the Raiders are back in action here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And get those calls ready because I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. This is a JT The Brick Show. Let's go to a break and we'll be right back with your calls and also what has been going on with the preseason because this is the first weekend of the year with every NFL team in action in the preseason. the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. I love giving those guys credit. I love talking about it because they don't get it, you know. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Paul, like for them, you know, it's exciting for them to add those guys because then they take pride in like, all right, let's make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, let's help them out, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's cool to see, you know, as a team kind of thing. And so it's vitally important. You know, you always want to win the line of scrimmage in football. And so um, we got to be able to do that, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can do that. And I have full trust and belief in those guys. I always do, um, you know, that they can do that. And hopefully, I can, you know, get the ball out when I need to, make make somebody miss when I need to, all those kind of things to help them if I need to. But you know, I, I'm proud of those guys. But yeah, we you always, you know, you count on winning the line of scrimmage, especially in this league. You got to win the line of scrimmage because there's so many good defensive fronts that can just ruin a game, no matter who's on the outside. You have to win the line of scrimmage, and we know the Raiders' defense. They've been doing a good job during training camp, during preseason game number zero, we can call it that way, last Thursday. We know the stars weren't out there, but I can guarantee you, once Chandler Jones and Max Crosby hit the field, they're going to be wrecking havoc when they are facing other players 
starting week one against the Chargers and somebody that wrecks havoc, but in a positive way on the mic all the time is a man we got on the line right now, JT the Brick. JT, great to talk to you today. Harry, great day today. Just leaving the waiters. Appreciate you stepping up. We had our first day with the head coach, the GM, in the uh, big meeting room as we get ready for the Viking game and the broadcast. And it's always cool when the uh, broadcast team is out here. So Beth Mullins, Rich Gannon, a legendary Matt Millen, to be in a room with him when he's asking questions to the head coach is just, you know, football geekdom like heaven. And a uh, great day today. We had Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, uh, Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, who I met for the first time, and Jared Stidham, who will be quarterbacking a lot here in the preseason. So really productive day. That definitely sounds like boxing and UFC, where you're before the broadcast, you get to talk with all the fighters to get all those nuggets that you can mention on the air. What impressed you the most from Jared Sidham, who's the guy that we know that started week zero last week against the Jaguars and who more than likely was is going to start the game this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium? Yeah, he will. And uh, Rich Cannon had a lot, a lot to uh, praise him with. He really liked the way he played. In Canton, and, you know, he played at Auburn and beat Georgia and Alabama, and, you know, he, he hasn't played a game until Canton for, like, 530-something days due to the fact that he didn't get in games during the COVID year as far back as he went. But he's really important to Carr. You know, that's really the, the takeaway with him is that if he has to play in the regular season, this is his offense. He's been in it longer than Derek Carr, and he knows it. And he's helping Derek Carr out with the terminology – and in all the meetings and all that. So he's really a superb person to have working with Derek because he knows Josh McDaniels so well. And I'm really impressed with Mick Lombardi. I know his dad well from his time with the Raiders, Mike Lombardi, who's now a decent here in town. And uh, Mick's story is really interesting, too, with the Patriot years. So Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, Jared Stidham, it all kind of comes back to what they learned under the Patriots and how they were able to prep and it's just really deep, man. They're all on the same page. They all watch film the same way. They all have this depth of knowledge from the Patriot years and all the Brady film and all the Belichick. And they're making it their own here in Vegas. And it's great to hear Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler together because they really remind me of brothers. You know, sometimes in life you meet two guys that aren't blood brothers, but you see them and they're best friends. And those two guys really tight and they're on the same page and the organization's in really good shape from a football perspective. Absolutely. Jared Stidham, the last time he played in a regular season game, December 28, 2020, he came in garbage time in a blowout loss of the Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. And let's remember, 2021, he underwent back surgery, so that's yeah. why he didn't see action in that season with the Patriots. Now he's a Raider, and I love what he was talking about in this press conference. He looks like a guy that's very focused and he's ready to go. So in that meeting room, of course, you guys are also getting ready for the broadcast on Sunday that we're expecting big things because, of course, the Raiders, they always go for the best. They can't control who's broadcasting them on CBS, on Fox, on ESPN, but when they got control of it, Beth is one of the best in the business, and of course you bring in two Raider alumni, Raider legends, and you get great things on the mic. Yeah, you know, Matt Millen, I know every Raider fan knows this, but he won four Super Bowls as a player, four. And, you know, he got a lot of bad press because he struggled as a GM, and he brought it up in the meetings today with Dave Ziegler, and 
what he didn't do right back in the day, which is behind him. He's one of the greatest players in Penn State history. And he's just a legend. And he, he loves the Raiders so much. And he refers to Coach Madden and Mr. Davis, Al Davis, all the time. And I really think the Raider fans know this already. I'm not telling Raider fans what they don't know. But when you get a chance to just see Matt Millen again, you know, give him a big high five and a big handshake or a hug. This guy is Raider royalty, man. He's connected back to the really hardcore days of the Raiders' success. And everybody respects what a great football player he was and how physical and nasty he was. And the Raiders got to get back to that. You know, they got a player like that in Perryman. They got it with Max Chandler Jones. But the Raiders have to build out the rest of this defense, Harry, with tough guys, guys who will really lead and tackle and do everything from a physical nature. And they're hoping they're getting that. They got to get it up front at the defensive tackle position where they're a little light now due to injuries and who's going to play. And then they got to get it on the back end because they got to get it with the corners. And the corners got to tackle and be physical. And the linebackers, other than Perryman, that's what I'm really interested in. I wanted to talk to you about is what are we going to see Sunday with the linebackers? We know what we got in Perryman, but what about the rest of the linebackers popping, showing they could go sideline to sideline and cover? And I think we'll be able to see some of that coming up against the Vikings on Sunday. And another position that's pretty light right now in numbers due to injuries as well is is the cornerback room right now for the silver and black, the defensive backs. And we've seen Rakyasin and Anthony Averett miss last game due to injuries and in some of the practices. Add Craven LeBlanc, who didn't practice today yep. as well. That's why the Raiders ended up signing Nate Brooks per Tashawn Reed's report on The Athletic. This cornerback room, I know that Nate Hobbs, he's anxious to be out there on the field. I asked him about it. Do you want to play in the preseason he told me i want to play whenever i have a chance to play so if they let me go out there on the field i want a ball and we've seen him go one-on-one against Devonte adams because Derek carr told us he wants that challenge he wants to be able to go against the best in the league these kind of situations are only going to make nate hobbs better right jt yeah I, they love nate hobbs harry they do and we saw nate hobbs last year and one of the things I got right before the year started, I said he'd start at one of the outside corners. He's just better. I think he's better than Mullen, and that's not a knock on Mullen. Mullen was a hell of a player, a defensive MVP in the national championship game, played at Clemson. He's a hell of a player. I think Hobbs is better now. And there's nothing wrong with that. If, if Mullen ends up playing and Hobbs is on the inside, more power to the Raiders here. But Hobbs is physical. They like his work ethic. They like his prep. They like the way he's matured, and that says a lot because Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels inherited a bunch of guys, and we know who they like because they signed them to extensions or they're telling you that they're going to start. And then the rest of the guys, you know, we're going to have to mind read what Josh McDaniels wants to do because we don't know yet who's his guys. And that's what this team's going to look like in the next two to three seasons. The core superstars signed. You know, hopefully long-term and stay long-term, like Derek, Max, obviously Devontae, Hunter Renfro, and then you start building up with other guys who are going to come in as free agents or draft picks that they lock up long-term until they have the Ziegler-McDaniels guys. But I'm impressed with the leftovers from the Gruden era because Hobbs is one of them, along with Mad Max, and this regime really likes those players because they play hard, they prepare, and they're total team guys. Absolutely. And JT, we finally kind of got an update with Darren Waller, Adam Schefter, making it uh, public today on Twitter that 
The Raiders tight end has been held out of camp due to a hamstring injury that is not considered serious. Good friend of the show, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN last night had posted that he spoke briefly with Waller saying that it sounds like he's going to return to practice next week. Darren Waller, that's what I said since the beginning to the Raider Nation. I was like, relax, calm down. It's training camp. If he isn't 100%, he's not going to be out there on the field. There's no need to risk him right now. Yeah, I've never thought there was an issue at all with Waller. I don't, because we're not hearing anything. And again, with this issue with Schefter and what they're talking about, the Raiders aren't giving much information out there. And there doesn't seem to be a concern inside and outside the building. And if that changes, we'll find out here. But Darren's a hell of a player, and he needs to be at 100%. Because, as we know, Darren wants the ball in the red zone. The red zone offense and the red zone defense was pretty awful, to be honest with you. The red zone defense was terrible, and the red zone offense wasn't very efficient compared to the talent level that they have. So he's got to get to 100% and be ready to go because they're going to target him. Remember last year in Cincinnati, first and goal at the nine, I was throwing three balls in a row to Waller, 50-50 balls for him to go up and make a play. That didn't happen. That will happen now. With Devontae and Waller and Renfro, they will attack in the red zone. They will go on the offensive in the red zone and attack the end zone because they brought in superstars who are supposed to be doing that. Guys who are superstars, not good players, elite Pro Bowl talent that have to open up the end zone in the red zone on top of what they can do at the running back position in the screen game. This team is going to be really strong in the screen game until that offensive line gets rolling. And Josh McDaniels has a great history with Belichick and Tom Brady and the Patriots with the screen game. So I think the offense is going to be great. A little concerned about the offensive line. Want to see what happens in this upcoming game with Munford and Dylan Parnham and what we're going to see on the edge with Leatherwood. And it's time for those guys to shine and play well because they can't afford not to play in the preseason. That offensive line has got to find some juice in these next couple of games and be ready for Bosa and Mac because those guys are coming hard in L.A. That edge rush in L.A. and their interior pass rush is one of the best they're going to see all year, and they're going to see that on September 11th. That'll be week one. Yeah, and you go back to the game against the Jaguars, Trayvon Walker, number one pick, first ever action in an NFL game against another team. He sacked uh, Jared Sidham. And it's like, if that's Trayvon Walker, could you imagine going to two of the best in the league with Khalil Mack and Joey Embosa? It's going to be a big, big difference, even bigger test for the Raiders. They got to be ready. They got three games to do so. And JT, uh, you're going to be out there Sunday at the torch. Is that correct? We'll be at the torch, man. Meet me at the torch. And uh, we're going to have a great pregame show we got a couple of guests lined up and uh, we'll throw it up to the booth on radio jason horowitz is in town he was in our meeting today lincoln kennedy on radio and then those watching the tv broadcast on fox 5 you get beth mullins rich gannon and matt millen and again get get matt millen and rich uh, feeding off the play-by-play is going to be a lot of fun so we're excited it's uh it's not the end of the world it's a preseason game but this coach plays guys and it's going to move guys around, especially on the offensive line. So that should make it interesting, and hopefully it's a great dress rehearsal for the Raiders. The entertainment's going to be great. Oh, my God. Coming off what we saw in Canton and this house band and what you're going to see inside Allegiant Stadium 
and some of the things they're working on this year. Raider fans are going to be really excited to be back at Allegiant Stadium, Harry. Heck, last year, JT, we got Carlos Santana to play at halftime at a preseason game. I know we're not going to get Carlos Santana this year, but the Raiders, they take every single event inside that stadium as if it's the biggest one. So which one's the, yeah, be- the biggest one, the next one? Sammy Hagar plugged in. Uh, they did a lot of great rock and roll and a lot of good music, and they're looking to even go bigger this year. But, you know, music's great. Entertainment's spectacular. It's Vegas. We have to do that because it's Vegas. It's not Charlotte. It's not Jacksonville. People expect it here. But the Raiders got to win games, and this coaching staff is going to start off with, our, with that win in Jacksonville, hopefully one against Minnesota. Hopefully everybody comes out of the game healthy, and there's more to build on. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there on Sunday, Harry. Of course, and winning isn't important in the preseason, but if you're able to get a win, you'll have the fans happier than they were once they came into the building. I'm sorry to ask you this right now, JT. Are you going to be on the TV broadcast with the interviews? No, there's, not, there's no sidelines for this, and uh, I'll be doing the pre- and post-game and. All good, man. They got me real busy this year, a little bit more busy than I normally am. So I'll be uh, at the game, involved with the broadcast, and I'm really excited about that. Good to be back with Eric Allen, and once again, hope to see you at the torch. Catch him pregame and postgame here on Raider Nation Radio. JT the Brick, the man, the myth, the legend. Mi casa es su casa. So if you're looking for a seat in the stadium, JT, you know the Spanish radio booth, we always take taking visitors like you in, in all right? That's, that, that's me and Eric Allen's secret spot. Don't tell anybody about it, man. That's our secret spot to come uh, watch you do the broadcast. So we'll see you up there for a bit on Sunday, Harry. Have a great broadcast. Thank you so much. JT the Brick, catch him on the radio. Sunday, pregame show and postgame show. I'm pretty sure Q is also doing the pre-pregame show. So always stay tuned here to Raider Nation Radio, the best coverage of the silver and black. So that's the deal. When we're in the in the broadcast booth, my broadcast partner and myself, we're in the bottom. In the top part, we don't have an engineer. So Mike Taylor, shout out to MT with the Raiders. He comes over and he watches the game with us. Eric Allen, he stops by and watches the game with us. JT the Brick, every once in a while, he stops by. So we, Bobby Machado, if you ever... If you're ever out there at the stadium and you want to stop by, we'll take you in as well. Your family right here on Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation, it's time to catch a break here on the JT The Brick Show. We'll come right back. We'll take your final call, 702-365-9200. Shout out to our friends at Remy Martin, proud partners of the JT The Brick Show. Whether it's a Remy sidecar, Remy Old Fashioned, or just on ice, Remy Martin Cognac should always be your choice. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride with a Remy Martin by your side. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Yeah, well, uh, some of those things we do, uh, there's a lot of reasons to do those things. Um, you know, some of them are scout-carded periods where you're doing it to try to help the defense. I mean, look, there's going to be gimmicky plays that happen all the time. Uh, we all know that. Um, you know, and, and how many you do and how many you're willing to call and all the rest of it, that kind of um, that depends on the situation or the circumstances. But um, you know, you work on plays that are a little different, you know, for both sides, you know, like I said, our defense is going to see them. 
our offense may or may not run them, um, you know, but it's it's something that, you know, you got to get ready for as you're, is this time of the year is a good opportunity to try to build your reaction to those kind of things, um, you know, depending on what type of play it is. We're back here on the JT The Brick Show. Josh McDaniels was asked about a trick play, a reversible play that the Raiders had at practice yesterday that we were told immediately not to say anything about because it's part of the media guidelines of some of the formations and everything. But of course, somebody on the press conference today asked a question about it. And look, I'll just say this, the Raiders and every single other team in the NFL have reversible plays. They got trick plays. They got everything gimmicky plays under their the heck you go back to the Super Bowl that the Eagles won they had a trick play right there uh with their quarterback Nick Foles catching a ball in the end zone I mean every team has them we don't know when they'll use them we don't know if they will so I'll just say that we were told not to say anything about it somebody ended asking Josh McDaniels about it. I was like look it's to help our defense but it can also we might end up using it that's the deal with that situation with the play that was yesterday. I won't go into details, but that's what happened. Someone that will go into details with a lot of things going on with defense is the Raiders linebacker coach, Antonio Pierce, who's always a great quote, and this is what he said after today's practice. What kind of growth have you seen, you know, not just, just the Raiders, but kind of Right, I think just um, even since he was a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, when we uh, first worked together, uh, just a guy that's matured, that's came, kind of come into his own. As a linebacker, as a person, I think uh, since you've seen him here as a Raider, learn how to be a pro. Uh, you really see him with the veterans a lot, with, you know, obviously with Jayon and and uh, DP. You know, done a good job of just those guys mentoring him, and that's been good to see. And then obviously, you know, what you see with him from on the football field, a physical player, very intense, passionate about the game. Uh, Big growth with him since he's been here, yes, sir. I know he's missed the last few practices, but Devon Diablo, he's a guy that he's only been playing this position you know, not even two years now. What have you seen from him as well? Uh, I think somebody's getting comfortable playing linebacker. You know, that transition's never easy. Everybody thinks you just go in there and play, but your eyes are trained differently. And I think he's done an outstanding job of just not just training his eyes, but communicating, being a bit more vocal player. Uh, we've asked him to do a lot. He's done a lot. He's embraced that. And obviously he has a skill set that's very uh, – important to our defense, you know, things that he can do, being able to cover, run, and obviously uh, pressure. So uh, the growth with him uh, has been pleasant so far. I think the other night you saw him play very well, uh, and you just want to keep improving on that. Luke Masterson seems to be a guy he played pretty well on Thursday. What have you seen from uh, that undrafted free agent? Yeah, another guy transitioned from safety to linebacker in college and still making that transition. Again, working on his eyes, working on the physicality, just the, the technique and fundamentals to play linebacker. And I think what he's really embraced more than anything else is being, uh, I call it the, the, the commander in front of the defense and kind of just leading those guys. But I thought what he did the other night was really impressive. A guy was very active, came in the game right away, was throwing his body around. You know, we talked about being physical. I thought he was physical, using his hands. Thought he did that. Pretty good job tackling. Only one missed tackle for him. Uh, and just a constant improvement. Again, both those guys, Darian Butler and Luke, have done an outstanding job of just asking questions, putting in the extra time. You know, they're probably one of the first guys in the buildings and the last one to leave. To linebackers, uh, the vantage point that you're seeing in the game from one level to the other, you know, is it drastic or subtle? Or it's a cheat code, right? I mean, you sit there, you're you know, 20 yards away from line scrimmage. You don't got no 300-pound lineman up on you. There's no heat right up in your face, and now all of a sudden you're in that five to six, and you're in that box. 
And there's some big men in this league, right? And they're very athletic, and, and, and obviously they can hit you fast if your eyes are wrong. I think just, again, training that. Luke also played outside linebacker, didn't really was the signal caller. And we played him at Mike and Mac position. He's an outstanding job with that. To just, again, train his eyes to see from inside out and seeing the whole picture and, again, understanding what we want to do defensively. What did you think of just uh, communication-wise communication uh, in the game on Thursday? Are you guys where you want to be in that department? Uh, you never – you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to be your best in January and February, right? That's what we really want to talk about. But uh, the progress has been important and, and very critical to what we want to do. We do ask our linebackers to communicate, to run the show with hand signals, to fix things. I call it plumber. They need to fix things when they're wrong. <laughs> and uh, they've done an outstanding job of that. I mean, all of them. And, again, we don't have a – a Mac linebacker or a Will. Those guys learn the linebacker position. If you can master that, the X and O's and the concepts, uh, you have you give yourself a chance to make this team and help our defense. Coach, you played at the highest level, obviously, and I think the players respect that. You can probably strap it, strap it up right now and play. But uh, I have a question for you as, in regards to whether you're playing the Will, whether you're playing the Mike, whether you're playing on the strong side of the formation, what is the single most important thing that you look for in kind of building the foundational core of this young union? Uh, I think the most the most critical thing is that I always start is just their eyes. You know, I, I think that's the hardest thing to train. But somebody that knows how to play with their eyes, you know, it don't matter what you run in a 40. You know, a guy that has bad eyes, looking at the wrong keys, you know, staring at the quarterback, which is always going to be a lie for us, a linebacker, uh, that helps you anticipate and play faster. I really talk about that in the film room with these guys of just understanding their keys, reading their keys. Again, at linebacker, we're off two, three, and two most of the time, right, if you count numbers. And I think when you see a guy that, that's looking at the right thing, that's not having no false steps, you know, not taking two directions, to, uh, two steps to his right to go left, you know, we want to take all that out. The game is played too fast. The guys on the other side of the ball are too good. Uh, and that's what you want. I look for the mental aspect. Obviously, if they're in this room, in this building, they can do it physically. There's AP Antonio Pierce, someone that's very close to Patrick Graham at practice. Every time you see him out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, AP is usually close to PG. They got a lot of conversations. They're getting ready to go with this defense in the 2022 season. But the preseason, it kicked into gear last night with multiple games, including the Tennessee Titans, Titans in action. Malik Willis, rookie quarterback. He started the first half and in the first series of the second half, six for 11 for 107 yards, sacked twice, five carries, 38 yards, and this touchdown from on the ground. Willis rolling to his right, comes back to his left, turns the corner. Here's the speed to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown, Titans, Malik Willis. And he will always be kind of connected to the Raiders because the Titans traded up with, to the, with the Raiders in the third round to the 86th pick to get Malik Willis, their guy, in the third round. Ryan Tannehill, he's still the starter. And here's what Bravel talked about putting Malik in situations to grow. They're competing each and every day, and they understand how difficult this league is. And, you know, especially as a, as a young quarterback, you know, to, to step back in there with a live rush and, you know, seeing coverage. And, you know, that's, that's why we have these preseason games. That's why I wanted to put out there. That's why I wanted to take the ball and, you know, to, to put him in those situations. That's the only way that you can grow. He struggled when he was getting pressure, but when he had time, when he had more than four seconds to throw the ball, he was very effective. He was doing a good job, so he's definitely one of the rookie quarterbacks that we're going to keep our eye on. Malik Willis with the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if you will see action, but in the preseason, he...
and someone that lost as well were the New England Patriots, 23-21 to to the New York football giants. And yesterday we saw Joe Judge and Matt Patricia right there talking about offensive clay calls. This is what happened after the just game. Just really quickly, just to follow up if I could, you mentioned earlier um, with the offensive play caller, you're going through a process. What do you need to see to make a final decision? Yeah, just we're going through a process. Just simple as that. Okay. It's just a little bit of a an unusual situation for us that have watched you guys before. And so, what do you want me to do? I guess we're just looking for a little clarity as to great why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah. Going through a process. Okay. The, Pat, the Pats haven't named an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. Same situation they had in 2010 and went 14-2 and that season. So we'll see if they end up naming somebody else as the offensive coordinator in this 2022 campaign. My go-to spirit for my summer cocktails is a botanist gin. Botanist is hands down my favorite gin, and it's the number one fastest growing brand. This was the J to the Brick Show. Next is Q with Unnecessary Roughness.